Father, we come before you and we just rejoice that we were not left to ourselves, that you could have done that, but you didn't. And we come after we have sung and praised you, Lord. Our hearts are lifted high and and we just rejoice in you and we praise your name this as we we come uh, continuing in worship to come to your word that that we would uh, seek to be changed by it that we wouldn't we wouldn't just simply come here and and be spectators in in worship but we would be fully engaged in the worship of you God and in the praising of you with our voices in in the fellowship together as brothers and sisters in Christ as uh, all of us together and worshiping you from our hearts in the giving of the things you have given us and, and hearing the word of God read as well and, and so many other ways that you just work. And now as we turn to your word that we would hear it in the preaching word and receive it and say even now that we will respond, that we will not come away this morning coming away from the Word and not being doers of it, but simply hearers alone. Help us, Father. So It's so easy to do that. So help us to say, even now, I want to do what you say in your Word. I want to be like Christ. I want to know you and I want to live for you. And so help us, Lord. May you make clear your Word this morning. May you give me grace. May your spirit illuminate all of your good word. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we continue. If you've been here, uh, we haven't been long in the Gospel of John, but we are continuing now in the Gospel of John. Uh, Of course, we only began a few weeks ago. but We are already seeing the purpose of this Gospel set before us plainly. Right? And I hope you have. Uh, we saw the purpose there in, in John already, and, and the reason that John wrote this gospel is this so that you, all of us, you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, and so then may have life in his name. And that isn't something just for people here who may not know Christ. This is for us. We want. We want to continually press on in delight and in faith and in glorying in our Savior. The one who we continually are trusting in. Not just a one-time thing that we did long ago, but He is our present, ever-present Savior into all of eternity. So this is not just simply, well, let's, let's lay aside the Gospel of John. It's just an evangelistic book. This is for us as well. And so... Let us receive the food of God's Word. And so we have seen this purpose, right? Believe that Jesus is the Christ and so have life in His name. That has been set before us already. The prologue in verses 1-18, through it introduced us to this Gospel and we, we rightly gloried in the Word who was with God and the Word who was God And we gloried in the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us. Praise the Lord. 
We've been rejoicing in Him this morning for those very reasons. So John, he has, as we saw, he has interwoven direct allusions to the Old Testament. Really, again and again, and specifically to Exodus, where we saw there Moses, a mediator between God and Israel, which he wasn't enough. And Israel was still broken, still sinful, still rebelling, still saying no to God and His covenant. But now here, we have the enfleshed Word who comes as the greater Moses, as the mediator, the mediator between God and man. God dwelling among us, tabernacling among us. Glory. Well, now in view of that prologue and all that we've seen there, we're not going to stop seeing these allusions to the Old Testament. They're going to continue. But now we turn to the next verse here in the Gospel of John where we are given the testimony of John the Baptist. And so if you have a Bible, please turn with me to John chapter 1, verse 19 through 34. In your uh, pew Bible there, it's page 1053. So may God bless the reading and the hearing and the receiving and the applying of the word this morning. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. And so they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Well, he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet said, Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God! who takes away the sin of the world. This is He of whom I said, after He, after me comes a man who ranks before me because He was before me. I myself did not know Him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that He might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove 
and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Amen. Right here at the beginning, we are told very plainly that this is the testimony of John. So the word here, or testimony, uh, it certainly, you know, is right to translate it testimony, you know, as we have here in, in the ESV translation. But the word, it may also be translated as witness, which makes a lot of sense. So John, he is connecting pieces for us then, and he is saying, hey, you remember how I pointed to John the Baptist in verses 6 through 8 that Mike read a minute ago? Well, here is his testimony or his witness. Now, as an aside, let me say that this witness is a witness to which you need to weigh carefully. You may be here and you may be thinking, you know, I don't believe any of this. I don't even want to be here right now. Well, I used to be where you were. I remember going to church one particular instance and and I sat there and I did not want to be there. And in fact, I was angry. I was angry at every person in the room. I was angry at the preacher. I was angry when people came and shook my hand. I was angry when the preacher talked to him on the way out. I did not want to be there, and that may be you. So I get it. I've been there. Well, here, John is serving as a witness, saying to you, believe the Christ has come. And so take heed here of this twofold witness. The one, or the first, is believe in the one who has mercifully come for mercy-needing sinners. The other is a witness that may stand against you. In our court systems, you know, at times, you know, various witnesses are called to what? Give their testimony? Well, this witness may serve as a witness against you. So take heed. What you're hearing now, you may be called to account of what you're hearing today. But you have heard this witness. You have heard that my son did come to save you. And yet, you said no. The Savior, friends, has come. And this is the witness. Before we get into the witness, that you need to hear and you need to weigh carefully here as we come to these words. 
So, having heard that this man was preaching and baptizing in the wilderness in Bethany near the Jordan, a group of priests and Levites, they are sent to essentially, you know, investigate this man. You could say that John had gotten their attention. (laughs) And that would be right. He did. John was a notable and a very noticeable man. Uh, Even during John's day, he would have stood out. (laughs) He would have stood out for a few reasons. Uh, The first, you know, he preached in the wilderness. So a desert. So that's not the common way to draw a crowd. You know, we don't have books written today on, you know, four ways to draw a crowd by leading them into the desert. Right? I mean, that's not what you do. But that's what he did. A crowd was drawn nonetheless. Second, his attire and his demeanor, they were unusual. (laughs) He wore camel's hair. I mean, just imagine someone walking in the room right now with camel's hair on. I mean, that would be odd for us. Well, it was odd for them too. And he had a, a leather belt as well, and he ate locusts and wild honey. You know, I'm sure, you know, uh, you love to have locusts at your table. I'm sure you probably have them there, you know, every, every Sunday after church, right? You have locusts. You just, you know, that's a delight. It's a delicacy for you, right? Well, no, I mean, that's, I mean, maybe you do, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I'm not judging you if that's the case. You know, there's some protein and things like that with bugs, but, you know, uh, it's not something we do. Um, so, so that was, that was another way, you know, drawing attention. And then third, you know, he baptized as well, which was, which was odd at the time. And we'll, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But for all these reasons, and likely with a, a great air of skepticism, this group comes to John. And now they come here, and they're coming to interrogate John. So we see here the interrogation of John. So this group, they really want to know who this man is. And so they begin this interrogation and they ask, so who are you? And essentially, they're asking, are you the one? Are you the Christ? And we'll see, they're asking more here as well, but John, he is emphatic here. His answer that is, he is not the Christ. And at this point, you know, I would imagine uh, the, this group of priests and Levites, you know, they probably sighed a breath of relief, you know, like, oh, man, we're, if you, you said that, you know, we, wouldn't, we weren't quite ready for what we're going to have to say to you after that. So they were probably like, whew, okay, well, that, that question's you know, out of the way. Well, great, so you're not saying you're the Christ. And so they go ahead and they ask their second question. Well, are you Elijah then? So, like I said, the Old Testament references aren't going to go away. And this is a direct allusion to the prophecy from Malachi that says, Elijah, the prophet, will come before the day of the Lord. And so John, he answers, answers interestingly here. He says no. Now, if you know the Gospels, that may be a bit surprising. I mean, this is different from what we read of John the Baptist in other Gospels. Now, he doesn't ever say he's Elijah in other Gospels. 
But the thing is, is that there, you know, in, in the Gospels, Jesus, he rather plainly says that John is, in fact, the Elijah prophesied in Malachi. So what should we make here of John's answer to their question? Well, either John himself legitimately does not know he's Elijah. I mean, it could be that, you know, he's, he's being humble here as well. Like, ah, oh, no, you know. Or he's simply saying he isn't the person Elijah. But either way, we can confidently say that whether he knew it or not, that John is not Elijah the person, but he does come in the spirit and power of Elijah. And that's what the angel Gabriel said and says of John when he announces his birth to Zechariah and Luke, right? He says exactly that. And so, he is Elijah, but he's not Elijah. At least in his own view. But the interrogation, it doesn't end there. Okay, so they, they're trying to figure him out still. So, are you the prophet? Again, Old Testament The promises of the Old Testament. So Moses said in Deuteronomy 18 that the Lord would raise up a prophet like himself, like Moses. And so their question is then, are you that prophet? Which, if he was that prophet, then technically that first question should have answered that. But they're, you know, trying to figure out, you know, who this guy is. So they're 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 getting all these things. So he is not the prophet. That's his answer. Now, as you can imagine, at this point in the interrogation, they're beginning to scratch their heads. Like, okay, I mean, we just want to know something about who you are. You're not telling us anything that's helpful here. Uh, And so perhaps after a long sigh, you know, they shrug their shoulders in confusion. They ask, okay, so who are you then? Tell us something. And so John, he tells them that he is the voice. And so he quotes from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, and he tells them, I am the voice of one crying in the, out in the wilderness. And that is a bold answer. John, he has said he is not the Christ, he is not Elijah, and he is not the prophet, but he is the forerunner to the Christ. He is the forerunner to the Messiah. We've seen it already, but big things are happening here. Now, one thing we can take away and see from this very clearly here is that John knew who he was not. He was not the Christ. He was not Elijah. He was not the prophet. And he also knew who he was. And this, I mean, this could not be more relevant for us today. It's time for us to ask this question and to interrogate ourselves. Who are you? Really, I mean, who are you? Apart from your name, what would you say makes you what you are? I mean, what's at the core when it's all taken away? Who are you? Well, let me help you here a little bit. Let's answer This question, according to this passage here, you are not the Christ. You are not the Savior. You are not the one predicted 
In other words, at the bottom of all this is this conclusion, you are not God. Why is that important? Because that's exactly what all of us are bent to think. I mean, whether you admit it or not, I mean, since the fall, our inclination is to either think that, you know, we're God or that we can stand in the place of God. I mean, we are tempted on two fronts here. We are tempted and pulled. The first is the desire to be Lord over all. That all people are to bow down to us. And this pull and this drive, I mean, it is slavery. And it spills over into your home, into your workplaces, and into your marriage, into your parenting and to your prayers that you have made laws that others dare not break. The declaration is this, thus says me, I am your Lord and there is to be no other. Now before you, before you go and begin looking at your neighbor, or thinking of someone else that's like this, mind you, this is our common pool. I mean, all of us are having to fight against this. As children, we did this to our parents. I am boss in this home. I mean, as adults, we do this. We don't throw ourselves on the floor anymore, but man, we sure can throw some fits. And as Christians, we've got to fight against this in ourselves. And so let all of us hear this. Then, you are not what people need. People need Jesus. You need Jesus. John, he knew and he saw that. And what did he do? He proclaimed not himself, but he proclaimed Christ. Because he is the one the world needs. And you need Him too. Your children need Him. They don't need you primarily. They need Jesus. So don't make make them think that you are their Lord and God. Your spouse, your employees, or whoever it is, you are not their Lord but you are to point them to the one who is Lord. And this one point is an answer to so many issues in our lives. It's at the core of so many struggles that we have, even with why we get offended when other people don't do what we want them to do. I am Lord. How dare you cross my rules? Well, we are not the answer to the world's problems. So that's temptation one for all of us. The other side, or the second temptation, is the desire to define who we are. To stand in the place of God. So as gods, well, why couldn't we reshape and refashion God's world? 
and His creation according to our liking. Why couldn't plants be put on the level in the same value as humans? Why can't animals be put on the same level as humans? I am Lord over this world. We'll make new laws. Laws that make us the center. Our desires, our fantasies, our lusts, our likes, our dislikes, our bodies. My body. You'll have no say over it because I am Lord over me. We'll reshape the world then into our image. And what image is that? It's only broken. It is a broken, tainted, ungodly image. And so we are deeply in need of clarity in the midst of this deep fog that we're living in. I mean, we are a terribly confused people, right? I mean, why wouldn't we be? I mean, people of all ages are being thrown about by a world that is digging up the ground from underneath them. Oh, by the way, the ground really shouldn't be there anymore. Let's go ahead and just take that out from underneath us. And perhaps people that you're seeing every single day. I mean, they're wrestling with all this as they are told, create your own identity. Oh, and by the way, you can literally be whatever you want. Choose any gender you want. We have up to 71 to choose from. Oh, and when you do, be sure you figure out what pronoun you are as well. I mean, that is confusing. Think about your children. Think about you. If you are confused, think about what's going on with your children. Think about what's going on in our colleges. But don't be fooled. Now again, don't just go looking at your neighbor here either. You're tempted to do this too. It's not that we go and say, man, the problem is out there. It's that the problem is in here. What did Jesus do? Did he come for the righteous? Is that what we are? Are we those blind guides that say, oh, shame on you, while we forget? Who did he come for? He came for sinners. And that's what I am. That's what you are. We aren't to look out and think, I'm better, I'm more righteous, I am more worthy of God than they are. No. I mean, remember the words of the hymn, Amazing Grace, what did it say? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. was blind, but now I see. That was you. So we do not come here as a people who are like high and mighty over our world. We come as a people who see a world that is in need of the gospel just as much as we are. 
And as many go about, lost and needy around us, we have a mercy-filled, grace-abounding news to share with sinners. For the lost, for the needy, for the poor, and for one and all. We have clarity in the midst of the confusion. You are not God, but there is a God who made you for Himself. And He has come to redeem you in the midst of that confusion. While the God of this world, He blinds the minds of unbelievers, we who have received mercy may extend it widely, persistently, and urgently. So whether you are here and you have been tricked to think that you are the Savior, or you are here and you are confused, there is clarity here in the midst of the confusion. You were made by God for God, and God in mercy has come to make you His. That you would be defined not by changing winds of the present day, but by the eternal Christ. So sinners, if that is you here, there is one who has come for you. And He calls you to look to Him and be saved. To repent and to believe the Gospel that He came, lived a perfect, sinless life. He died on the cross for your sins, for your shame, for your guilt. And He rose from the dead to say that I am victorious over all of it and I have guaranteed that through me you can have life. And He says, come sinners, believe and trust in Me and you will be saved. Saints, look to Christ and let Him be the one who defines you. Let Him be the Lord of your life and stop trying to be Lord over it yourself and over others as well. But they have one last question for John. Here. So the interrogation is not over. So they have this question for him. So if you are not the Christ, so they're trying to figure out what in the world he is doing. You are not Elijah or the prophet. What makes you think that you have the right to do what you're doing? Why are you baptizing people? Well, he tells them, I am baptizing not because I am worthy, but because he is. You see, during this time, baptism, it was associated with cleansing, and it was usually done alone. So, that's where the oddity comes in. John, he is not doing it alone. This is not a lone baptism. He is baptizing other people. And so, John, he comes baptizing then as a call for people to be ready and to ready themselves for the Christ. He is coming. And He's coming very soon. We'll see that in a few minutes. And again and again here, we don't see John. What is he doing? He is not pointing to him. To, he's not pointing people to himself. But what is he doing? Instead, we see the humility of John. John, he is not trying to draw people to himself. I mean, crowds are flocking to hear Him and be baptized by Him, but that was not 
so that he can make much of himself, but it was to make straight the way of the Lord. I mean, get everything out of the way that the way would be straight for nothing to be in the way that you would see here is the Christ. Think about that in your own life. Get everything out of the way that everyone would see here is the Christ. John, he even says here that he was not... He was not worthy to untie the sandals of him who was coming. I mean, that's, I mean, that may not mean much to us as we hear that, you know. Like, okay, that's sandals. Got it? I got sandals. But during this time, you know, students <clears throat> or disciples, they were at their teacher's mercy. If they asked you to do something, you pretty much had to do it. I mean, you were almost akin to a slave to your master, except for one thing. What do you think it was? Taking off their sandals. That was the one thing that they would not ask you to do. Yet, what does John say here? He was not even worthy of doing that for him who was coming. Whoever this is, they are great. So also, may we consider then the worthiness of our Savior. I mean, at every turn and from every direction, what do we see? It is good to be humbled by Christ and to live humbly as servants of Christ. He came humbly. He served humbly. He lived humbly. He loved humbly. He died humbly. But He rose victorious as Lord of all that He would be He would forever free us from our slavery, from sin, and from self, and from Satan, and forever that we would serve as slaves of our sure Savior. I mean, how could we not be humbled in glory as those who have been forgiven so much that we would then love so incredibly much as well? So now the interrogation is over. The next day, verse 29, John, he sees Jesus coming towards him. And what we see here is his witness applied. Already John was making straight the way of the Lord, but now he will do as he said he would do. He would announce and he would bear witness to the light. You know, during the the State of the Union, even recently, the House doorkeeper has the privileged position of introducing the president. And so, what do they say? They say, in this case, uh, Madam Speaker, the President of the United States. And following those words, what happens? The president comes and makes his entrance. Well, John comes here and he declares, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here He is. He has come. He is doing His job. He is witnessing. Here is the Lord. 
And John, he was not adamant to simply say he would witness once the time come, but he did it. The sin-atoning, wrath-bearing Lamb has come. Here is the Passover Lamb. Here is the suffering servant. Here is the Lamb who would be led to the slaughter. For who? For you. For you. And so, the exhortation is this. Look to Christ. Let goods and kindred go, and mortal life also. Have Him. Come to Him who offers mercy, grace, and life evermore. And thus, the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus and remained on Him. And so were fulfilled again, Old Testament, in the words of Isaiah, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This would be God's signature upon Jesus, God's stamp of approval upon here is the Messiah. He would bear the stamp of Isaiah 42. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. And so like John, he wasn't content with just saying, when the Savior comes, I'll be a witness. But he was going to be a witness and so also humbly, truly direct people to the Savior. Apply your witness. There are many hucksters and false preachers and false gospels out there, but this is not what we have. We possess a treasure of infinite worth. And woe to us if we would say, I'm going to keep it to myself. I'm going to keep it in these walls. And no farther. Because it's uncomfortable. So who are you? Who am I? You may be a pastor, but that isn't to define you. You may be an engineer, but that is not to define you. You may be a parent, but that's not to define you. Whatever you are, whether you are a child, you are a youth or adult, what is to define you is Christ. And when that doesn't happen, that's when everything goes astray. Such that, with Him being the one who defines us, we may declare and rejoice, saying to the world and to every person here that I am not the Christ, but I know Him who is. Let's pray. Father, we come before this witness, before this word, and we need to ask ourselves, examine ourselves and ask, who are we? What 
are we saying defines us? Are we, are we indeed living lives that are saying, I am Lord over all? I'm the one who defines what the world's going to look like? I'm going to stand in the place of God? Are we going to say, even repent, and even cling to the truth that Jesus Christ is the one who is to define us? So, Father, help us. Help every person here, right now, that they would consider their own soul and heart, their own life, and ask if, if it is Christ that it defines them, if He is the one that is above all. And may they simply run to Christ as the one who is to be defining of every area of their life. And so, Father, help us receive your word. Help us not keep Christ to ourselves, but help us apply our witness even as John did here. Help us to be a humble people. Teach us humility by even humbling us. And so, Father, we pray if there's anyone here right now who needs to be humbled, may you humble them. Anyone here who needs to repent of some sin in their life, and be defined by Christ. May you help them to do that. Anyone here who needs to repent and believe the gospel and trust in Christ this morning, may they come and recognize that before them is a Savior who came for them to save them. Anyone here who needs to obey their Lord in baptism, obey by becoming a member of Haven, may you help us, Lord, to respond. In Jesus' name, amen.